Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2023, we're running our annual Radiothon, where we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy the podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and together? you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Yes, that's what you do. You go to the um, wonderful 3CR showreel program and thank you very much for the people who donated to my program and uh, to help 3CR on its way to its target of $275,000. We've still got a fair distance to go, so of course... uh, Hopefully, people will continue to donate. That's 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Uh, and um, and I'm just uh, seeing here on the um, wall here that Beyond the Bars, 3CR's live radio from Victorian prisons since 2002, begins hot on the heels of our Radiothon month of June, NADOC week, the 3rd to the 7th of July, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, we're coming live from the prisons, uh, 11 to 2pm. And it's another reason for why 3CR is such an important resource, community resource. So we're always uh, busy here at 3CR bringing you the uh, good oil. (laughs) <laughs> they'll have to change that uh, saying to something else like the good air or the good water. Anyway, today we're going to hear uh, voices from uh, a couple of different filmmakers because that's what uh, Showreel does. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Ronnie S. Riskala. No, Kala, Riskala, Ronnie S. Killer, uh, Riskala. He's uh, made a film called, a feature called Streets of Colour, and it's set in the west of Sydney. Um, we'll leave it to Ronnie to talk about. Um, they're going to have a world premiere on the 26th of June. It's going to be at the Hayden Orphean Picture Palace in Sydney. If you happen to be there, buy a ticket and go along. Um, there are going to be other screenings around the country. We're going to follow that up with a film that's going to be shown at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which is coming up. Uh, in July, uh, and uh, it's called How Are You Travelling? It's a film about Sykes on Bikes. But uh, we'll hear a little bit about uh, the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival before we start. Get to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca, 
as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and uh, we're going to go straight to the chat I had with uh, filmmaker Ronnie S. Riscala about his new feature, Streets of Colour. G'day Ronnie, it's Annie McLaughlin here from 3CR. We are going to have a chat about your film, Streets of Colour. Hi Annie, how are you? Okay, I've been looking up um, about Streets of Colour. It sounds like a quite an amazing uh, affair. How did you get this film off the ground? Ah, oh, it's it's always something that I guess I wanted to share as a story. Um, I grew up myself in the western suburbs of Sydney, having suffered at the hands of a lot of racism when I was a kid and into my teenage years. But it wasn't until in my early adult life, in my maybe it was my early thirties, I had an encounter with with a younger teenager who was abusing me with these really strong and um, offending racial slurs, and I just thought. I think racism still exists because I, I thought maybe that um, the the racism that I did sort of experience when I was younger maybe it was because I was a I was a child or you know adolescence you know you got raging hormones and those sort of things so maybe things felt like at the time they were a little bit more exaggerated but it wasn't until that moment I knew that there was a story to tell here that all those traumatic experiences that I had as a kid being bullied for for being different. Um, there was a story to tell there and I thought I could probably help other people sort of embrace their culture and their self-identity and, 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 and just start a conversation about this, this, the, the racial sort of experiences that I had. Well, this, I mean, this is a feature and it's set in the western suburbs of Sydney. It's really contemporary and it's uh, really happening now. So writing it must have been quite uh, a challenge because you're creating a feature, bringing your audience along with you, as well as being authentic. Yeah, it's really personal. So it's, it's always really hard to sort of to, to tell your personal story because all your vulnerabilities are you know, up there on the screen because it is loosely based on uh, on my experiences. But at the same time, I use creative license to sort of build a more exciting sort of uh, film so that I could package those really important social issue themes within a film. Um, the, ch- the challenge wasn't so much writing the film. It was because it, it, it flowed really naturally and it evolved into, you know, I thought I was writing one film, but it turned into something else. Um, but it, the challenge was actually getting the film off the ground. That was probably the hardest part and you know, trying to get funding and, 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 and go through those sort of avenues. Why was that? Was that because it was about something that was contemporary and also very working class and very culturally de- uh, confronting? Or, I mean, because you've had a lot of experience making films, haven't you? Yeah, well, it's, I've been doing it for about 25 years, but I haven't really had the opportunities to sort of catapult my career to the next level. And it was always about making a calling card at the same time, you know, even though I wanted to confront all these issues and it was almost like every film I could probably tell you this, that it's, it's almost therapeutic or like therapy to, to make a film about your life um, in, in this way. But um, there was a lot of roadblocks in making a film like this, whether it's political or not, I'm, I'm yet to sort of 
to know, but um, what I what I do know and what I've, I've felt and experienced is there is still systemic systemic racism in terms of not letting certain people, um, you know, have opportunities. And I, I've tried to I've tried to get government funding for many many years, and I've been rejected every single time. It's a lot better these days, and things are progressing. But I mean, I've, I ticked all the boxes that were required for. Uh, government funding and, and and some of those boxes are stuff like are you from a diverse background are you from western sydney that was very specific in in some of the um eligibility criteria when when you do apply for for funding and i ticked all the boxes minority groups all all, all the above we had all that in our team and yet we still couldn't get anything and we thought yeah like you said like it's a contemporary story it's 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 a glimpse into to western sydney which is rarely seen on screen um, you don't really get to see films like this, and it's almost like a window into something that you've never experienced before. And um, yeah, I, I can't say why we we didn't get the opportunities that we did, but we we got it done. We we had to pull in a lot of favors. Um, I had to put money for my own mortgage. Friends uh, invested, and and some private investors, and and we got across the line. Oh well, congratulations. Uh, the, Thank uh, you so much. Yes, and. Um... I know that uh, you've got some pretty uh, interesting actors because a film like this actually gives opportunities for everybody, doesn't it, uh, from the diverse groups? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, people always ask me, like, oh, yeah, you've made a really diverse film, but I didn't set out to make a film because of diversity because it's something that's at the forefront of everyone's sort of conversations now, yeah, especially at when the it comes to, yeah. to make it. Yeah, but that's how I grew up. This is very authentic and very truthful. I, we grew up with many nationalities. I mean, I could count about 70 different nationalities that I grew up with going to high school. So when writing the story, it wasn't about ticking boxes or trying to include all different diverse characters. It was, we haven't seen this done before, so I'm going to do it because it's authentic and this is how I grew up. We grew up with a guy who was from, you know, the islands or someone that was African or Middle Eastern. It was, it was just a, a big... Um, melting pot of different nationalities and languages and cultures and i wanted to see that and i know a lot of people who grew up in western sydney or just in sydney in general from a migrant background that would want to see these sort of stories uh, the lead your lead yes rabel uh, roman rahel, rahel roman Rahman, yeah. He he was in a film that I saw that was uh, out, out west. Here out west. Here out west, which is also yeah. a very interesting film. So obviously there's a real push towards bringing uh, real stories to the screen, just like uh, Streets of Colour. So uh, how did you get him as your lead? So I've known Rahel for about 15 years. He's, he's actually... <laughs> Saying 15, he's 15 years my, my junior as well, so he's from a different generation than myself. But I met him at a film school uh, back in, say, 2006, and at the time he was a 13-year-old kid. I was, you know, an adult. Um, I could see that he was very um, intelligent in, in terms of his acting. I could see, I, I could see something that was beyond his years. Um, you could see that he, he, he lived and breathed to be an actor, and yet at, at that point he hadn't had any experience whatsoever. He hadn't, he hadn't even done anything on the screen. He was just basically at a film course that we were doing. And I, I knew that one day that I'd, I'd probably work with him because I could see something so so unique and so intelligent about him that I thought, this guy's got something t to say, you know. And, and him being from a Middle Eastern background himself and having dealt with a lot of the same social issues that we portray in Streets of Colour, um, it just made sense. So when, when I was writing the script, it took me three years to finish the screenplay. 
I knew I, I could kept seeing his face. And even though I had hadn't spoken to him for a while during that period, I didn't tell him that I was writing it. I delivered the, the screenplay to him. Uh, he loved it and thought, yes, let's do this. This is great, you know. But I, I did open up the, the casting a little bit wide to see if there was anyone else that could, uh, you know, be captivating in that role. And unfortunately, we did get a few good actors, but there was nothing exceptional like what he brought to the film. Now, because this is your story, I'm um, not your story, but uh, um, I'm an amalgam of things from your past. Correct, yes. Yeah, I would say it's loosely, it's loosely based and inspired by, if, it's, if it didn't happen to me, it happened around me. Yeah, know? yeah. On one level, you might say it's a gangster film in some ways, is it? Or is it a very yeah, male-oriented well, film? It's, it's, it's interesting that you use that word gangster because, I mean, the, the younger crowd would probably see it or sort of... Um, categorize it as that but that's like what i was saying earlier i tried to make a film that was dramatic and 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 also spoke of the social issues that i grew up with which is self-identity um it's like the main character he changes his hair color he tries to be blonde he tries to put blue eyes in just to be like an australian because we wanted to assimilate we wanted to be like everyone else because mm-hmm. we kept getting vilified for the way we did look and because of our skin color and our culture and our language yeah. and all that sort of stuff so I said, I said to myself, how do I how do I deliver a story that's not going to be slow paced? It's not going to be all about social issues and a message and all that sort of stuff, and make it entertaining at the same time. So using creative license, I made it look like a gangster film. Yeah. Right. It's 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 packaged as that way, but it's also got these really powerful emotional, uh, dramatic storylines, which covers things from you know culture to like racism, to to family, even friendship. Uh, and spirituality as well. So it's there's a lot of themes there that we we sort of try to to try to uh, touch on, but we've dressed it up so we could entice the younger generation to go, hey, this looks like a really cool gangster movie, as you put it. Let's go and watch it. But at the same time, they're getting all these social issue messages. Uh, baked in and it's it's done very subtly and it's done very naturally and organically too yeah well actually it's about it's about a person's life and him grappling with he like you say his self-identity and loss yeah and it's a redemption film isn't it correct it's 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 all about redemption because i find that even though it took me seven years to make this film i've been finding in the last say three to four years a lot of films end on a sort of on a bad note and they feel very depressing, and and as much as this film is very dramatic throughout the whole film, we had we had a cast and crew screening last I think last July. Yep. And people coming out and they were in tears. I mean, I knew I'd wanted to make an emotional film that affected people, but I didn't realise it was going to affect people to the level that people were telling me after the screening. Like they said, I cried three times throughout the film. I was like a big blubbering mess. So even though it looks like a gangster film, you're going to walk away. It's going to be a memorable film and it's going to be very touching and unforgettable. Well, you know, the, when I say gangster, I mean, we're, when we're talking about that, that, that's really just a vehicle because people live lives sure. that are on the edge. And, that's right. And as young people trying to make their way in a world, if you're not actually part of the mainstream, then you're going to have to find a, a be part of the economy that's uh, you know the dark economy, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, just just giving you an example. I, I mean, my wife is eight years younger than me. She grew up in the actual suburb of Mount Druitt. I yeah. grew up not far from there myself, so in the same surrounding suburbs within minutes. And everything that she sees in the film, she did never she never experienced to her whole life. And her father was a police officer. Yeah. He didn't even he didn't even come across a lot of the stuff that was happening in in the in the underworld, I guess, of the suburbs, 
you know. So that just goes to show there is the the, the separate side of the tracks, if you like. You know, yeah, yeah. I, 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 had, I had people commenting on some of the Facebook posts saying, I grew up in Mount Druid, I never experienced any of this stuff. And I said, like, lucky you, you didn't experience any of this stuff because we <laughs> did, you know. Yeah. And yet you come from the same suburbs, yet you're saying there's drive-bys that happen. Yes, they do happen. I mean, they, they came on the news and, um, you know, the, the it, funnily enough, you know how they say art imitates um, life or life imitating art? Yeah. After we had shot um, what you see in the clip where, you know, a, a racist street fight happens and, and uh, unfortunately somebody dies in that street fight, yeah. um, somebody actually was stabbed in the same location that we filmed that scene in. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't racially motivated. It was, something, it was some other thing, but it was in, in exact, exactly the same spot. And I heard that two years after we filmed and I went, wow, that's really strange, you know? What I've done in the film too, I've shown, I've put a spotlight on the good, the bad and the ugly because most of the time the media have demonized, you know, Western Sydney as being, you know, an area that's low socioeconomic. It's, it's grappled with violence and drugs and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, we grew up in that area with, with working class parents. A lot of us, all my friends, we, we all, we all succeeded through coming out of these areas. Every, all, all my friends have gone off to, to be quite wealthy and, have businesses and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter where you come from. And that's, that's the core message of the story too, that it doesn't matter what challenges and adversities and what suburbs you grow up in. It's, it's how you navigate your life. And sometimes it's the people that, that help you in the background behind the scenes that sort of get you to where you need to go. And that's why the film is full of hope and redemption. So it's actually about time that, uh, and it's great that uh, filmmakers like you are actually able to get stories like this up You've got a world premiere, effectively, on the 26th of June. Is it coming That's to right. uh, other parts of the country? It'll be shown uh, in a limited release in, in the theatrical window first. So we're having to do a few suburbs of Western Sydney after the, the big world premiere, and then we're taking it, I believe, to Melbourne for a few screenings over there, and then I think Brisbane will be after that, and then I guess between now and then there probably might be more screenings if if all goes well and it's received well, um, and there seems to be a demographic and an audience for it. Hi, my name is Rolf de Heer. I don't live in Melbourne. I live across the water in Tasmania. But if I did live in Melbourne, my number one radio station would be 3CR because it's about community, and community matters. And you're with Annie on 3CR, and we were just listening to a chat I had with filmmaker Ronnie S. Riscala about his feature film Streets of Colour. It's going to be shown at uh, the Hayden Orphean uh, Picture Palace in Sydney on June the 26th. So if you're there, get a ticket and uh, otherwise watch out for its theatrical release in other parts of the country. We're now going to go to How Are You Travelling, which is a film that's going to be shown at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. It's scheduled for Sunday the 23rd of July. You just need to go to the MDFF website and you can follow up uh, on lots of these films that are going to come up over the next couple of weeks on Showreel. Uh, How Are You Travelling is all about Sykes on Bikes. Uh, It's a road film. road film uh, and it's directed by Craig Elder uh, from Keek Studios. We're in this chat. I'm talking to Craig and I'm also talking to Susan Jury. Uh, Susan is his wife but she's also a psych on bike uh, protagonist. So here we go. 
How did you get the inspiration for doing How Are You Travelling? Well, full disclosure, Susan's my wife. She's been a cyclist on bikes um, rider for many years and done many missions around, up, down, around, across Australia. And, you know, um, I'm not a motorbike rider myself. I've always been, you know, intrigued by their, their missions. And, the, and during COVID, they came up with this crazy idea that they were going to travel around Australia, which I thought was pretty ambitious considering we couldn't travel 5Ks from our home at the time. And so um, Susan came to me and said, "This, what do you think? This would be a great um, documentary. And so when I got in touch with um, Dr. Joe Dunn, who's the founder of Sykes on Bikes, and we had a chat and you know, we just started having a conversation about the possibilities of um, of filming this um, epic trip around Australia. And next thing we know, we uh, I've teamed up with a colleague, um, Jerome Pelletier from Stepping Stone Films, and we've jumped on a plane and we're heading to Mount Isa and heading into the outback, following these guys on this crazy trip around Australia. And um, that was kind of the that's the short story. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Susan, how did you get involved? I mean, I know you're a, um, a long-term motorbike rider, but bringing mental health and physical health into the equation of taking a journey around Australia is not everybody's mm-hmm. cup of tea. So tell me about how that comes about. I guess, um, you know, to take take a step back to Sykes on Bikes and how that came about to start with is I guess... Um, Joe Dunn saw the opportunity to combine his passion for motorbike riding with actually also using his clinical skills as a psychiatrist. And for all of us who join Sykes on Bikes, it's the same kind of thing. It's the opportunity to, first of all, have a bit of um, self-care of our own mental health by riding motorbikes and having that time out and looking after ourselves, being with um, colleagues with like-minded thinking and, you know, there's that instant default rapport that takes place and then being able to bring those skills somehow to the community. We've always recognised that riding motorbikes and motorbikes is a conduit to talking to men um, and going to where the people are. And when people, especially blokes, don't want to go into a into a clinic and go to see a mental health professional, it's a lot easier when you're in their in their community and their environment, and standing around the motorbike having a gas. One of my colleagues on the um, documentary, he says, first and foremost, I'm a motorbike rider, and then I happen to work in mental health. So um, it's just a great opportunity to break down those barriers. Oh, yeah, and have fun while you're doing it. But, Craig, it, it, as a filmmaker, yeah. actually, this is uh, looking at Australia, it's uh, pretty wild terrain. And as a filmmaker, you obviously had a small crew, but plotting it and working out the practicalities of it must have been quite a challenge. Yeah, look, when we first looked at it, it was, um, you know, it was like, yeah, we'll just jump on in, the, in a car and follow these guys around and, um and uh, film the fly on the wall journeys, but the, not, that they were really not long in these locations that hit. With, so we did a lot of preparation and talking to um, people that, that where we were going to the different destinations and trying to set up stories. That so when we arrived, we were we we knew that we had things to do and we had a plan, but that didn't always work out. And there's all all those things that you can never plan that just popped out of nowhere that we, you know, you kind of have to be in the moment for. So we had to be really fleet-footed and hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, we got. I remember one time we got to a cattle station and we said, right, uh, we've got to find some people to talk to about, you know, and their, their mental health. And 
And, you know, there's only so much you can sort of extract from people when, you, when, you, when you've got a camera on your shoulder, you know, so you've got to build that trust first. Um, so that was, that was the challenging part was to actually like really figure out well, what, what are the stories here and how do we build trust quickly with the people that we're meeting. Um, and we were very lucky because that's exactly what socks on bikes do. They break, you know, their motorbikes, you know, they arrive in, into these remote communities on, you know, this shiny metal motorbikes roar up and they, they get off and they, they're the icebreakers and they start chatting to people and they really, you know, the mental health professionals, so they're really great at making people feel comfortable and disarming them and eventually lead to these chats about what's going on for them, you know, how are you traveling? And so, you know, they made my job as a um, producer, director um, a lot easier because they were doing all of that work to, to, to sort of unpack uh, people's stories. So, yeah, that that certainly helped in 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 the making of the of the documentary. There are some pretty amazing characters that you come across, and uh, that's part of the attraction of this uh, journey because we're going into unusual environments, but also we're discovering all the people that actually live in far distant places in Australia, uh, where most people don't normally go. So that's pretty exciting, actually. Um, you must have uh, found it uh, extremely interesting as a filmmaker. It really was. I mean, there's a lot of great things. You know, you've got an epic road trip. You've got these scenes of the outback, which are, you know, we're really, you know, we're going to these remote cattle stations and these people are living and working on them. You feel like you're, you know, like you're in a different country suddenly. You feel like you're in Texas or something. And uh, they're so... Um, you know, the, the barren and harsh conditions and these people are dealing with, um, you know, life that we can, we don't, you know, they're city people. Um, yeah, it's very, very um, different. And so it was great just to be, to turn up and, and see these people living as they were and then actually get to talk to them about, you know, the, what's going on for them. Yeah, so there's a lot of great elements to the story. You know, you've got motorbikes, outback adventure, and you've got a heart to the story about, you know, mental health and, with, you know, the, the Sykes on Bikes are a conduit to telling those stories and people's stories in the outback. So from a documentary point of view, there's a lot of excellent elements for filmmaking in there. I just find it quite humbling in many ways because in the city we think that the world and Australia revolves around us, whether that's Melbourne or Sydney or, or wherever. And one of my reflections when I was on this big trip was realising how big Australia is and how much more to Australia there is than us. And, in fact, we're a tiny little part of Australia. Um, and like Craig said, it's like another world out there. It's so different to what we're used to in the city that it's it's just incredible. And from my point of view, I think the doco really captures that in a really beautiful way, even even from a scenery environmental point of way, point of view. And uh, we'll leave them there. If you want to get the full interview, then you should uh, hi, uh, listen to the uh, podcast. Um, coming up next is published or not. Uh, we've just been uh, chatting with uh, Craig Elder and Sue Dury uh, about their film, How Are You Travelling?, which is a film that follows uh, these uh, motorbike riders who happen to be uh, mental health workers 
who visit all these remote places in Australia. And it's quite fascinating, actually. Uh, and it's going to be part of the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. It's going to be on Sunday, the 23rd of July. Just go online and you can get your tickets for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and you can, can peruse their rather fascinating program. It's uh, online starting in July, but there's also theatrical um, uh, screenings at the Nova mid July to the end of July. And as I said, coming up next is uh, Published or Not. Enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter. <laughs> 